Oh, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Please pray with me. Lord, help us to not be slow of heart. Help us to grasp the message that you provide for us continuously. Help us to follow you, setting aside all our earthly desires and earthly concerns. Help us to follow you and you alone. Help us to always be following you and doing the things that you have set aside for us to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> There's a great deal of news almost every day about refugees. People trying to get into the United States from many different countries. People trying to escape the Taliban in Afghanistan. Russians and Ukrainians trying to get out of the war zone. And other places that are dreadful that they're trying to avoid. There are many reasons for these refugees trying to escape. Their fear is real. For some, every day is a nightmare. There are many reasons why refugees become refugees. Political, war, starvation, drought, weather conditions. If you Google refugees, there's a long list of failed refugee attempts. In Texas here, we're very much aware of the 53 people that died in a semi-trailer because they were left there locked up. There are people that try every day by boat to get to Italy or Greece or the Canary Islands. Just this last week one boat went to go to the Canary Islands so that they might have some kind of freedom, some kind of safety. And in that attempt they messed the wrong, they didn't get to the current at exactly the right time, they didn't make exactly the right turn and instead of going to the Canary Islands their boat, their ship went to continue to go west and they all perished because it was such a long journey and they didn't have enough to keep them going. So the plight of the refugees is pretty horrible. And every one of them, at some point, of those that didn't make it, there was a point in that journey where terror must have set in when they realized that all of their work, all of their planning, all the things they did to get a boat lined up, the date lined up, the people to help them, the money to make, to pay off the right people, after all of that, and they're on their way, there must have been a great relief, like, wow, we made it. But then as time went on, they realized we're not gonna make it. That terror must be beyond description. And I think maybe, just maybe, the two men on the way to Emmaus experienced that kind of terror. That's what they felt because they had all their hopes on this Messiah. They had all their hopes because God promised them that somebody would come and save them. And they thought they would save them from the Roman Empire. They thought somebody would come in the Calvary with big horses and swords and lots of people to free them from the Roman Empire. They misunderstood the message, but the Messiah that God sent them was a much better Messiah, a much more meaningful Messiah, a much more beneficial Messiah 
than they could have ever dreamed. The two men on Emmaus were not trying to escape their country, but I think they experienced a lot of the same feelings that the refugees have. There was little chance of them getting out of their country. Israel was controlled by the Roman Empire. In some ways, their life was worse than that of a refugee. They could not escape. They were forced to pay high, unreasonable taxes. They, too, had little chance of a better life. Their hope was not in finding a better nation to take them in, but in the Savior God had promised them. So, the Savior that God had promised and delivered was a Savior to free us from our sin. Their Savior that they were looking for could not have done that. A much better Savior that we receive. But the two men were depressed and saddened because they thought all their hopes had gone up in smoke. And Jesus, in whom they had put all their hope, had been killed. Now his body was missing. They did not put much hope in the reports of a risen Lord. So what did Jesus do after he met with the disciples and talked with them? First thing we must remember and look at is almost nobody, I don't think there was anybody, that recognized the risen Lord. They did not recognize, after walking seven miles with Jesus, they did not recognize that it was Jesus, even though they had been following him before, there was, before his death. Mary did not recognize him. Mary had been one of his most faithful disciples, saw him probably every day. And when she went to the site to prepare his body, she did not recognize him until he spoke. She thought he was the gardener. The disciples did not recognize him, even though they were behind locked doors. Last week, we heard about them being behind locked doors, and all of a sudden he appeared. Who else would they think would get in there but Jesus? But they did not recognize him. Until he said, peace be with you, even then they didn't recognize him. And then he showed them his wounds, and then they recognized him. Then they believed. So we have this long series of people that did not recognize him, did not know who he was, <laughs> until he made it known to them. So. What Jesus said to those that had not yet recognized him on the road to Emmaus, and they, they questioned him about all this stuff, how could this all go wrong? And he took them back to the Bible and shared them all the prophets had taught. From Moses to all the prophets, he taught them all they needed to know to understand the situation. If we take our worries and concerns to Jesus today, he will no doubt do the same thing. He would take us back to scripture. He's setting an example for us. If we're worried, concerned, health problems, financial problems, relationship problems, if we took those to Jesus, he'd take us to scripture. So if we go to scripture and we read scripture, we'll most likely find the answer to whatever concern that we have. That was the message that Jesus had for them that day. Today, we not only have the Old Testament that Jesus shared with them, but we have the New Testament. We have proof of his coming back to life. We have so much more to offer than what Jesus offered them by taking them back to the Old Testament. 
We have more promises and more reasons to believe those promises. We are not refugees and we are not controlled by a foreign government. We are just as dependent on our Savior as anybody else has ever been. We cannot work our way into heaven without him. We cannot rid ourselves from sin without him. And we will never find true peace without him. Even after Jesus had risen, even after he had appeared to the disciples, even after they'd gone back to their daily duties, they'd gone back and to what they had done before all of this had taken place, they went fishing. They came back from fishing, and there is Jesus on the shore. He'd given them the last supper, and now he's fixing the first breakfast. And they didn't recognize him at first, and then finally they did. But they didn't. Nobody recognized him at first. I'm sorry, I got... So the question that this all brings to us, if the disciples didn't recognize him, if Mary didn't recognize him, if the two men on the road to Emmaus did not recognize him, what makes us think that we would recognize him if he appeared to us today? Maybe he's appeared to you. Maybe you didn't recognize him. Have you ever left somebody and wondered about that person? More often than not, it's when I pass somebody that's homeless, looking for a handout, and I don't give it to them. For good reason, I believe. It's not that I don't want to help them. We do help them. But it's then that I wonder, was that Christ in those shaggy clothes with no shoes holding his hat out to me? Did I turn him down? Did I not recognize him? Did I not know him well enough that I would recognize him? Those are the things that this gospel calls us to think about and then to act on. Many years ago, there was a, uh, there was a monastery in Norway. And at one time it had flourished, but over the years it had gone downhill and downhill and downhill. And it got down to four monks. And they got worried about it. They knew that they could not survive much longer. They were all getting older, and they knew that there were no young ones coming up. If they didn't do something, they knew that their monastery that had been going on for centuries would have to close. It would be vacant. And one of them said, why don't we go get the rabbi down in, in the village and ask him to come up and spend a day with us in prayer and retreat and see what, if he might have some ideas to help him. And the rabbi did come up, and he spent the day with them, learning about them, praying with them, having a retreat. At the end of the day, the four cornered him and said, so what do you think? What can we do? What should we do to turn this around? And he said, I didn't come up with any answers today, but I did have a very strong feeling. Actually, I know one of you is God. And he left. Well, that got them wondering. So they all started treating each other as if the other one was God. They weren't sure which one, so they treated all three of them as if they were God. 
and all of a sudden they were being treated by the other three as God. And the more they treated each other as God and saw the God in each of them, then the whole atmosphere changed. And as people from town came in to buy their produce in the morning, they noticed that there was a change. And then young men started to come and want to spend time with them. And pretty soon, there were more people taking vows to become monks. See, once they started to treat each other the way God wants us to treat one another, then everything seemed to be all right. Everything flourished. Everything got better. Everything was great. It's a wonderful story. It's a true story. And it calls us to look at each other, to look for the Christ in one another. See, in a few minutes, we're going to break bread and share the bread. We're going to share the wine. We're going to partake of the body and blood of Christ. Christ will be in every one of us. In the early church, if we came together on a Sunday morning and went outside and met a neighbor who knew where we were and that we had just had communion, it would not be uncommon for that person to genuflect to us because they would know that Christ was within us. So as we leave here this morning, after partaking of that communion, let us think of ourselves as Christ within us. Let us start treating everybody this week as if Christ is within us. And treat them as if Christ is within them. The congregation, the choir, and the priest all said together, Amen.